Hello and welcome to Intelligence Talks. I'm Anna Ward. I'm a senior residential analyst at Knight Frank. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Andrew Smith, who's head of public affairs at global PR firm Weber Shanwick. So Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. This week, I'm going to be quizzing Andrew on the most critical issues facing UK property occupiers. So Andrew advises a range of clients on long-term policy agendas, and today we'll be tackling the return to the office, recharging high streets and net zero. So Andrew, if we can start with the return to offices, I know that shifting government opinion on this one has been quite challenging for clients. This week, we've seen leading employers, including BT, Unilever, stress the importance of office working. But we are seeing at the same time tech companies in particular are reassessing their return to office plan. So just to begin, curious to know how you're navigating this issue with your clients and what they're sort of mainly concerned about here. It is a difficult one because we've seen some of those comments from the financial service sector saying that it's an aberration and people need to get back to the office. Mm. But as you say, other companies have a very different approach. And I think in terms of advice from the government, and there was a, a piece this morning I was reading in the Telegraph, some leading businesses are putting pressure on the government for clarity about the future. But I think it is a difficult one for the government because obviously last year there was a big return to office, office pressure. Mm. Rishi Sunak was telling us to live without fear. And then we were hit by another another wave of COVID and another lockdown. So I think the government will remain cautious and leave it up to businesses to decide what's what, what's best for, for them because different businesses work, work in, in different ways. The government is very worried about the future of city centres. I mean, I have a, mm. uh, outside my work, Shamwick, I've served as a Westminster councillor and obviously the sort of centre of large cities, uh, certainly London, where it's been very affected by mm-hmm. uh, by lack of foreign tourists. And you do, really do need people back in the office, like restaurants that rely on the lunch trade, local cafes, lo- local shops. And actually, London has been, I mean, p- perhaps because people tend to have longer commutes into London, that means it has been more, more affected by the, the drop-off of um, people work, mm. working offices. Just with your councillor hat on, what are your views really on sort of the regeneration prospects post-COVID? Everyone's clearly enjoyed the alfresco dining that, that has been possible in the City of London for several weeks now. But as, as you know, clearly we get more back to normal, traffic comes back. I mean, do you think that it will be a shame to kind of lose some of that? How do you see regeneration in city centres going forwards? I mean, I think our fresco dining, uh, which you know, not just in Westminster, but across the, uh, across the country has been yeah. uh, quite successful. There does need to be a balance between the future hospitality sector and obviously alfresco dining was incredibly important when eating inside what wasn't available and obviously uh, throughout the summer, it, it does seem, seem to have been, been helpful in terms of uh, bringing people in, in, in into the city. But I think when, you know, I suppose, life returns to normal, I think that the pressure you know, in any city centre is that streets are there for a reason. And there needs to be a balance between the, the interests of uh, the hospitality sector and other businesses as well, which you know, need deliveries and, and the people to get mm. uh, uh, get, get around uh, to, for their businesses yeah. to thrive. And I think when, you know, when we do get the return to office, which people expect to, to happen this month uh, in terms of increasing numbers of people return to office, I think that, that kind of some of the tensions and some of the pressure on the streets will intensify. And I think some of the, yeah. maybe some of the um, low traffic and temporary traffic uh, uh, schemes will be moved out of city centres across, across the country. And does the question of being double jab come up much? Is that something that your clients are concerned about at all? I think it is a concern because people are, are looking at what's what's happening in in the states. But I think the debate over, yeah. over jobs is very 
different here. Uh, I mean, there's been you know, less vaccine hesitancy. I think yeah. you know, the government are officially still talking about vaccine passports being being introduced, but behind the scenes, there was some suggestion that, well, it, will it be needed? Because um, actually, the vaccination rates in the, in the UK are, are quite high, and actually, those pockets mm-hmm. of people, the, the people who are vaccine vaccine hesitant for various reasons, actually. Does this this kind of sense of uh, compulsion? Does it make it better or worse in terms of uh, likelihood mm-hmm. of people people take taking the vaccine? So I, I think the government is still still pushing the line, but I think you know people are questioning about whether we will see um, uh, a requirement for vaccine yeah. passports, and that, and that obviously yeah. sort of changes the debate in terms of um, uh, businesses who, who might want to require double jobs. And I think you know, it's only yeah. Pimico Plumbers. Yeah. You know, it's been the only one that's <laughs> really come out publicly and 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 pushed it. And I think there's, you know, there's quite a lot of debate about how it might work in terms of equality law in the UK. So I think it is a, a complex debate. But I think it, and, you know, in the UK, we're in a very different different position than in the, in the US in terms of the take-up and attitude towards vaccination. And, and just going back to you know, your, your role, clearly, as uh, Head of Public Affairs at Robert Stanwyck, when it comes to tackling these issues, like the return to the office and regenerating high streets, what kind of clients are you currently advising? Are you advising on kind of both sides, so the retail sector, um, various office occupiers? Who would you say are your sort of main kind of areas of interest from that perspective? I, I think a combination. I mean, we work for a range of leading businesses. For example, we work for uh, one of the largest e-commerce providers and <laughs> They are. They have lots of offices, but also lots of uh, lots of big warehouses. They're kind of concerned about about that in terms of the operation side. Uh, we work for uh, a range of financial services companies who have um, offices in um, city centres across the world. So it is balanced. And also, actually, we work for uh, quite a lot of people in the food and drink business, both in in terms of uh, food and drink ma- manufacturers. Yeah. Obviously, they've been yeah. less affected on the operation side, but they they have office staff as well. But lo- a lot of people yeah. um, in the restaurant sector as well. We work for a, a large. Um, fast food chain who you know are very very kind of uh, interested about the, the kind of future of the hospitality sector and the, the future of the future of government support and also what you know things like return to office and return to normality means for their premises in city centres. So when it comes to kind of looking at both retail and the return to work for say the e-commerce sector, what would be their interest in terms of the kind of policies around going back to work? What would be relevant for them? I suppose actually it's quite complex because there's the combination of during the lockdown, there's a great boom for for e-commerce and whether that might change as people mm-hmm. return to the office. If they're going to the office, going to city centres, they might decide it's easier just to pop into a, a local shop rather than uh, ordering mm. online. Yeah. One of the barriers to uh, people using e-commerce in, in the pre-COVID was the fact that they were uh, in the office during, during the day. It's very difficult to um, accept deliveries because you know they always arrived at, at the wrong time. So you know, the question is whether you know, that issue about you know, receiving, waiting for deliveries and, uh, and receiving <laughs> animal, uh, Amazon parcels, etc., uh, might become more, more difficult and might persuade people to shop in bricks and mortar retail. So going forward then for, for both the return to work and for the future of retail, what are you kind of looking out for to be coming out of government? What, are there any kind of key dates or any other further kind of policy changes that you're expecting on the horizon? Obviously, the big issue coming forward in the autumn is review of business rates, which mm. is uh, a, a difficult yeah. one. I, I think there's quite you know, quite a lot of public and political support to change the system, so it does help bricks and mortar retail. Politically, uh, it, it has been said that the one thing that people, uh, in terms of judging the success of their local economies, is their health of their local local high street. 
kind of thriving high street, lots of activity, whereas you know, the alternative, lots of boarding up shops. Uh, mm-hmm. People will think, you know, they're, they're kind of successful, their, their local economy has gone backwards. So I think the government will maintain a big focus on, on the health, health of high streets. And obviously business rates um, is an important part of that with the business rates holiday coming to an end. There's increasing pressure on the government to be more, more radical in terms of the changes they're, they're bringing forward. But then again, the reason why business rates have been so successful um, if from the Treasury's perspective is that they're very difficult to avoid. Uh, you can't really you know, move your bricks and mortar retail offshore, and it's an incredibly important source source of revenue. The government are going to face quite a difficult time because you know, the, the, there is quite strong political and public support for the idea mm-hmm. of taxing online re- retailers. But then if, if this does... Um, as as uh, some of them has potentially warned, lead to increasing prices. Uh, perhaps that support yeah. might might wither. So, I, I think the politics of business rates reform and uh, also the economics of, of it as well. Because obviously Rishi Sunak is uh, looking desperately about how to um, bring the public finances back into balance, and he doesn't want to uh, significantly reduce his tax base from businesses. I think it would be interesting to see the balance between new taxes for online retailers and uh, the kind of uh, the reshaping of business rates. Uh, and we'll see more of that information in the in the autumn. And moving on to net zero, two weeks ago we spoke to the head of uh, ITN Power, Graham Cooley, and um, we had our head of sustainability on the podcast tackling the new hydrogen strategy. Uh, and obviously there are loads of uncertainties still with um, the government's net zero strategy. Again, it's delayed the heat and building strategy, which is what you know the property sector is waiting for, because that will detail who will be paying for everything. What are you hearing sort of behind the scenes policy-wise on on net zero? Yeah, well, I think you, you kind of summed it up. And the debate is um, who's going to be paying for it all. The heat and building strategy has been delayed because um, it, it's still unclear. The big debate is about the future of gas spoilers with housing producing, I think, about, nearly about 20% of emissions. It is uh, obviously an important sector to, to tackle. But then again, anything which uh, is seen to be raising prices for uh, consumers and ordinary households it's very, very difficult for, for the government. You know, Conservative MPs are incredibly worried about the, this kind of sense that people are going to be forced to spend £10,000 on their on, on, mm. on their heat pump, yeah. uh, which you know might not heat their house as, as warm as a, um, a normal boiler. Yeah, I think it's only up to like 17 degrees in some cases you hear, but it might, maybe the technology's improved since then. No, exactly. Yeah. And I think <laughs> the heat, and I, I don't know from, mm. you know, I've uh, being involved in, in uh, housing of all, all different types through my through my, my career, uh, and actually, you know, work incredibly well uh, if you've got a very well insulated house with things like in the, in, under underfloor heating mm. or you know, uh, and specialist uh, radiators, etc. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think the the cost of retrofitting it to um, mm. our ha- housing stock, you know, the UK that tends to have a quite an old ha- housing stock, is going to be a, a real a real challenge. Yeah, just on the net zero topic, are there any other? areas of public affairs wise that you're acting or advising property occupiers on at the moment yeah and obviously there's heat and building strategy and there's you know, yeah all occupiers are uh, sort of keen to know about what's like to be in it because you know they need to start start planning and, and uh, yeah. the delay which has been has been caused uh, because of the, the the kind of big issue about who's going to pay for it means that it's becoming more difficult because you know um, if you're uh, deciding your strategy of property investment 
um, mm. having some clarity about the regulatory system you're going to operating on, and you know some of these questions about you know who's who's going to be paying, you know what what government funds that can be be available. So yeah, yeah, a lot of it is tr- you know trying to find out uh, thinking within government uh, and, and trying to advise in terms mm. of what we're likely to see see in the yeah. strategy. I think there will be some big focus on renewable heat. I think I'm expecting, but we we don't know. But mm. I think there some, yeah. there, there should be a link between. Some of the things in the heat building strategy and the government thinking about the long-term future of business rates and obviously how the system at the moment seems to penalise those people who are investing. The biggest political issue will be the issue about gas gas boilers. We've got clients who have got interest in, in that sector and in terms of the, the kind of future of gas as you know, a kind of sustainable way of heating. But obviously, you know, there's an expectation that you know, gas will disappear. It's going to be with us for a few, a few years yet. Thank you, Angie, so much for being here. Really enlightening to hear so how you're advising property occupiers um, on some of these areas. And actually quite interesting to hear that for e-commerce, there is quite a crossover when it comes to the return to work and retail and the whole thing. It's just very complicated and connected. So it'd be great to get you back probably in a few months, maybe when the dust has settled a bit more, to sort of hear how, how things have panned out. So yeah, thank you so much, Angie. For more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Uh, You can see our show notes for more details on that. And please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and listen out for our next episode in two weeks.